Good morning, New Heights. It's good to have our college students all back with us. We missed you guys. So we're kicking off a new teaching series today. We're going to be in the next nine weeks called Drinking Deep, Experiencing Life with God. And I'm going to start off by talking about food because I'm friends with Lee Epstein. <laughs> and I've heard that it's actually possible to go without food for more than three weeks. Now, I personally don't want to test that out. But I understand that Gandhi went 21 days without food. So we know it's possible, but it's a different thing when it comes to water. At least 60% of the adult human body, we're told, is made of water, and every cell in your body and my body needs water to keep functioning. And medical professionals will tell us, you can only go three, maybe four days without water, and then you're in serious trouble. So why am I starting our new series talking about water? Well, the title is Drinking Deep, and we see in John's Gospel, we're going to turn there in just a second, a very interesting story that involves water. And I'll add that the water in this story is more vital and critical for life than H2O. So I'll set up the story. Jesus is traveling through the region of Samaria, and he comes to a well. You guys are probably familiar with the story, and he's tired and thirsty from traveling. It shows us that he was a real human being. And then he sits down, and a woman offers him a drink. And it's an incredible story of redemption with the woman. But what I want to do is I want to focus on what Jesus says to her. So turn in your Bible or turn on your Bible to John chapter 4. We're going to be picking it up in verse 10. By the way, all of my references and my entire outline are on the YouVersion Bible app. And I have a lot. First service, people were scribbling notes. That's great. Do that. But it's also on the YouVersion Bible app. So here is what Jesus says to this woman. He says, if you knew the gift of God... And who it is that you asked, who asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And she gets a little bit confused by this, and so Jesus goes on to say in verses 13 and 14, everyone who drinks this water, meaning the well water, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Now, what is Jesus talking about here? What does this look like, this life with a constantly flowing source of living water from Jesus in us look like? Well, that's what we're going to be exploring together over the next nine weeks in our series, Drinking Deep. So let me start off by saying that a spring of living water flowing in us implies being continually connected to the source. It's a picture in, in John's gospel here of overflowing life and growth that comes from being connected to the presence and power of God. And it's a picture of organic connectedness. Jesus loved these images. He uses another one in John's gospel in chapter 15. We know it as the parable of the vine and the branches. And Jesus says in John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. And then he says this in verse 4, Abide in me, and I will abide in you. And what Jesus is saying here, that word abide, we're going to be unpacking that this morning. He's saying that we need to be connected in a real life-enriching way where the very life of Christ himself flows into our lives and we bear a lot of fruit for the kingdom of God. And so we're going to break that down in this series and we're going to be asking the question, how? 
How do we do this? How do we stay connected to the source? How do we experience God's presence? And how do we abide and live the with God life? Many in churches today try to live life for God. You know, they're like wearing their WWJD bracelet, right? And trying really hard to imitate Jesus, but they get burned out and they get discouraged because they haven't learned the way of abiding. They haven't learned the way of the easy yoke of Jesus that Lee referred to last week. And we're going to be looking at that today. So we get burned out and we get disillusioned and we say things like, it's just so hard to follow Jesus. Why do we say these things? Because there is a big difference between trying to live for God and living life with God. The for God life is the yoke that wears you out. It's what Jesus looked at when he confronted the Pharisees. The Pharisees were doing this. They were turning life into a series of checklists and boxes and rules and regulations that they just had to try really hard to do for God. And I'll add, they probably were trying to do it in their own strength. What we're going to talk about in this series is the with God life that leads to the easy yoke of Jesus. And let me say, I am personally extremely excited to be doing this series with you and to be kicking it off today as the discipleship pastor here at New Heights and also someone who has worked for decades with believers in discipleship and spiritual formation. I believe God has big things for us as a church in this series. The things I'm going to be sharing with you today have transformed my life. Like, they have revolutionized my walk with Jesus and literally transformed me. Most of you know that, that I came out of a wild, hedonistic lifestyle when I came to faith in Jesus at the age of 18. And when I came to faith in Jesus, you guys, I was a blank page. I mean, I didn't know anything. I'd never heard of the disciplines for the spiritual life. I'd never heard of abiding. I didn't know what those things meant. All I knew is that God is real and I want to know him. And that's what attracted me to a missions organization called YWAM. That's an acronym that stands for Youth with a Mission. And they had a motto. Their motto was to know God and to make him known. And I really liked that know God part. I wanted that. So I went to a five-month discipleship training school they called DTS. And you guys, the things that I saw modeled there and the teachings that I heard laid the foundation for me for the last 25 years of living life with God really gave me kind of an ethos of the spiritual life. And what I want to do this morning is I want to start to pass those things along to you. Talking about the with God life. And I understand that that is not grammatically correct. I apologize to all the English teachers. But we're going to be, instead of saying the abiding life, we're going to use the with God life and talk about it that because it sticks with you. You'll remember it. So what became crystal clear for me in that YWAM school, and then really was reinforced in my years in Bible college and then seminary, what has become crystal clear is that God is a relational God. That he passionately and relentlessly loves us and he wants us to live in his presence every day. And so back in that YWAM discipleship school, I started to read my Bible and I would come across verses all the time. Like this verse in John chapter 14. And Jesus says in verse 23, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching and my father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with 
them. Ah. And then I'm reading the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19 and 20, that says, Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Wow, with you. It's the point. And in these verses, in many other verses, I came to understand God wants us to experience his presence at all times, not just on Sunday mornings or special times and places. He wants us to learn to walk in the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit daily, like Galatians chapter 5 teaches. In this life that I'm describing, we all understand that it's only possible because of the grace of Jesus. Amen? It's, how many of you are grateful for grace, that your sins are wiped out, that you're forgiven? Hallelujah. I know I am. This life I'm talking about is only possible because of grace. But let me say this. Just because it's grace doesn't mean that we just sit back and hope that we experience the life I just described like by osmosis. Do you know what I mean? Like if I just show up at church and I just kind of hang out, then maybe something will happen to me. No. To experience intimacy and connection with God, we have to live a life. And this understanding became a vital part of my spiritual foundation, my ethos, as I heard our leader in that YWAM ministry unpack Romans chapter 5, verse 10. Let's go there. Paul writes, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by his death, there's that grace message, if that's true, then how much more that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life? And as I studied this, I began to understand that salvation is more than just forgiveness of sins. It is forgiveness, hallelujah, but it's more than that. I began to see that being saved, not just what I was saved from, but that salvation is about a daily life that I receive. I'm saved from sin to a life with God. And that was revolutionary for me. That might be for some of you here this morning. And it was about that time that I also began to understand that faith is not just some mental exercise in my mind. Real faith needs to be connected to action. And this is all over the New Testament. This is, this is the book of James. And a classic example of it is Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Let's look at it. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, again, there's that grace, in view of that grace, offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So you guys, my body and your body need to be engaged in our relationship with God. When James said in chapter four, verse eight, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Everyone who heard that message understood that they physically had to do some things, to engage in some actions, some behaviors, to experience intimacy with God. You may have heard me say this before, but I'm going to say it again. Salvation is free, but intimacy requires effort. Very important to understand. So with these understandings that I had as a young believer that God is relational and he wants me to experience his presence every day, but to experience the with God life, I actually had to do some things with my body to choose to advance my spiritual life. I started to develop and practice 
what we're going to refer to in this series as the disciplines for the spiritual life. The disciplines for the spiritual life. And as I started to research these disciplines, I began to spend time with some of the great devotional masters. Not in person, of course, but through their readings, through their books. I started to read A.W. Tozer and Richard Foster, who wrote a book called Experiencing the With God Life. Uh, Dallas Willard, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Henry Nouwen, and Brother Lawrence, which I have to unpack Brother Lawrence. He was an interesting cat. He lived 400 years ago. He was a full-time kitchen worker. And he said in his writings that he developed this practice, this habit, if you will, of constantly talking to God. Just inserting a few words of prayer between everything he did, whether he was working in the kitchen or whether he was hanging out with friends. He called it practicing the presence of God. And his little book is called The Practice of the Presence of God. It's probably what Paul was referring to when he said pray without ceasing. Now, let me, let me say this, you guys. Uh, these books that we're going to refer to in this series, these titles, these authors, what we're going to do is we're going to put them on our website and we'll let you know where they are, okay? They're not there yet, but they will be. So in the series, just we'll, we'll let you know where to find a list of, of these books and resources. All right. So as I began to understand what the disciplines were, I began to do them. I was like, I'm going to try this out. So we had these dirt roads that were out by our YWAM campus. And in the mornings, I'd get up and I'd just walk those roads. Just talking to God, just about the day and what's up and about him. And, and then I would start to practice things like silence and solitude, sometimes hiking in the national forest down by Devil's Den. And I started to get with small groups of people praying together and worshiping together in community. And as I practiced these things for a few years, an amazing progression started to happen in my life. As I started to spend time in God's presence, my relationship with him started to morph. Where in the beginning, I would practice these disciplines and it felt a little bit clunky and mechanical. And a lot of times my focus was on myself, you know, like my needs and, and my current crisis that I need help with and my sin struggles. What started to happen is I spent time with God. I started to get to know him. And I started to really come to see that he's good and he's loving and he's faithful and he's powerful and he's strong. And, and I don't know how else to say it, but as I started to get to know him, I just fell in love with God. I just fell in love with him. And, and I still would come to him to get my needs met, you know, to pray about things. But you guys, I started to do more. I started to spend time with God to get more of him. Do you know what I'm talking about? To get more of him. I guess you could say I started walking, I think, in the first great commandment where Jesus says in Luke 10, 27, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and all your mind. And I'm sharing my story to encourage you guys that this life is possible for all of us through Jesus. Amen? It's possible. So now let's dive in though. We have to get to the how-to and dive into what are the disciplines for the spiritual life that I just mentioned. And I need to explain why they're called disciplines in the first place because you hear the word discipline and you go, that doesn't sound very fun. Well, the disciplines can be actually a lot of fun, but the reason we call them disciplines is because they require choice. Choices are powerful. If you desire to be a gymnast or to be a carpenter 
or to play piano really well, or to uh, whatever, learn Arabic, whatever it is. If you really do, you have to make some choices, right? You could call those disciplines. You got to start thinking about how am I going to spend my time? How am I going to train? Who's going to coach me? Those sorts of things. You have to make choices. And, and here's the deal. Most of us in this room, or, or hopefully all of us, have at some point, maybe recently or in your past, you said, I have decided to follow Jesus, right? The disciplines for the spiritual life will help you to remain faithful to that choice. Another way of saying it is this. If we want to be disciples of Jesus, we have to live a disciplined life. Amen? Now, before we get too far into the, what the disciplines are, we need to talk about for a few minutes what they're not. Because I see so many people that have misconceptions about the spiritual disciplines, or, or they misuse them. Some try them the wrong way or with the wrong attitude, and they just get tired, and they just go, forget it. It's just too hard. I'm just going to go watch sports or play Fortnite or something. You know, it's just like, just this is too hard. So we've got to talk about what the disciplines are not, and then we'll talk about what they are. So number one, spiritual disciplines are not a barometer of spirituality. And I've put these in kind of a, a, a contrast and comparison of what we're going to call the checklist life. That's the for God trying really hard like the Pharisees to do the things and check the boxes, that type of life, which is sadly probably a lot of people's religious experience today in churches. We're going to compare and contrast that with what we're calling the with God life. So they're not a barometer for spirituality and people get burdened because they think this. They think God measures my spiritual performance on the basis of certain disciplines that I practice. Here's a question. Do you do this? Let's test this out. Let's imagine that somebody this week comes up to you and asks you, how's your spiritual life going? What are you going to say? How are you going to answer them? What are you going to use to measure and determine the condition of your spiritual life? Most of us, if we're honest, we're probably going to think about either how much we had or how much we hadn't read our Bible and prayed that week. And based on our performance of whether we had or whether we hadn't, we'd maybe feel really good about ourselves and go, I feel pretty good. Almost to the point of comparing ourselves to somebody else and going, I'm doing better than my roommates or I'm doing better than my husband. Or the opposite, we feel guilty to the point of thinking God's mad at me or he can't use me this week, right? And, and I, this is what I've experienced a lot, mostly in discipleship, is people have so much guilt about not having their quiet time. And guys are like, I don't do it like my wife does it, and I feel like such a loser. Do you know what I mean? You guys, this type of thinking, it's, it kills growth and progress. It turns time with God into a negative thing rather than a positive thing. So what is the true indicator of your spiritual well-being? If it's not your performance of the disciplines, then what is it? You might want to write this down. The true indicator of spiritual, spirituality is growth in the ability to love God and people. That's the true measure of our spirituality, and the spiritual disciplines lead us to that. Amen? The second thing, 
that the spiritual disciplines are not. As they are not a way to earn favor with God. Spiritual practices are not about trying to be good enough to merit God's forgiveness or his goodwill. They're not some form of Christian karma. Like if I do these things, then, then I get blessed. They're not ways to get extra credit or to demonstrate to God how deeply we're committed to him. I love what James Bryan Smith in his book, The Good and Beautiful God, has to say about this. He says, the spiritual disciplines are wisdom, not righteousness. They are wise practices that train and transform our hearts. And you might want to write this down too. Spiritual disciplines exist for our sake, not God's. They have value, yes, they have incredible value, but they have value as vehicles that help us to connect to God and be transformed by him. And I'm sure that God enjoys it when we experience those things, but the disciplines are for us to connect to God and be transformed by him. So let's get into right now, let's get into the nitty-gritty. Let's get into what the disciplines are and what they do and accomplish. And before I get to the other side of the diagram, comparing the checklist life to the with God life, what I want to do is put up on a screen the list of those spiritual practices and activities that have been most engaged in by Christians over the last 2,000 years. And they're broken into two categories. The first we're calling disciplines of abstinence, and the other is disciplines of engagement. And the abstinence list, they're designed to weaken or break the power of ingrained habits in our bodies. You know what I'm talking about? Those habits you just can't get rid of? They're designed to break and weaken those things and to disconnect us from the influences and distractions of the world. Here are some examples. Solitude. Silence. Lee Epstein's going to teach on this next week. Fasting. Frugality. What that means is living simply. Secrecy. What that means is that you're doing your service not to be seen by people. And sacrifice. And the discipline of engagement, those disciplines are practices designed to immerse us ever more deeply into life with God. And both lists help us drink deeply of Jesus. But here are some examples of engagement. Study and Bible meditation. Worship. Service. Prayer. Fellowship. And giving. And we're going to unpack most of these in this series. And starting next week, we're going to have take-home sheets. And the take-home sheet is going to go along with the talk for that week, the discipline that we're highlighting, and they'll have creative suggestions of things that you can practice uh, that week. And here's what I'm hoping is going to happen, that this is going to be like a church community group experience. How fun would it be if all of us during the week are practicing the same things together? So I'm really hoping that that's what's going to happen. So we'll have those take-home sheets next week. All right. So we're talking about the spiritual disciplines, what they are. Now let's talk about what they do and accomplish. Number one, spiritual disciplines help us to connect with God. It's all about relationship. And this is what I've been talking about this morning. And when I was a fairly new Christian, I assumed that every believer took time daily to pursue intimate life with God. And I was wrong. Some estimate that only 10% of Christians are actively developing their relationship with God on a daily basis. 
This might be why the world looks at us as Christians and they say, they don't look any different than me. Going back to what Jesus said with the vine and the branches, a branch that's not attached to the vine is cut off from life and energy and cannot bear fruit. So you guys, the spiritual disciplines for the Christian life, for the spiritual life, they're ways of abiding, ways of connecting to keep my mind and my heart set on his presence with me. So as I pray throughout the day, and you pray throughout the day, we are reminded that God's near. As we serve, we can become aware of his empowerment and and the giftings that he's given us in his presence. As I read my Bible, especially the book of Psalms, I see that God is relational and he delights in me and I'm actually the beloved of God. And as I meditate on God's word day in and day out, those narratives, those truths, you know what happens? They get worked down into my body and soul. They, they get worked into the soil of who I am. And over time, I start to believe it. And I start to relate to God and relate to people out of that identity. Next week, Lee is going to talk about silence and solitude. And he's going to share with us how we can become more sensitive and aware of God's presence and his voice. Because here's the deal. So many of us are so busy and so active, if we're not careful... All the space in our lives will get filled up with activity and noise. Do you know what I mean? The spiritual disciplines help us to avoid that and to actually make some space for God. And that leads me to the second thing that I'm very excited about that the spiritual disciplines do. They help facilitate relationship with God, but they do something else. Number two, spiritual disciplines lead us to the easy yoke of Jesus. And this second aspect of the spiritual disciplines is something that I wish I understood as a young Christian because I probably would have been way more motivated to practice spiritual disciplines if I had understood this second point. Not only are the disciplines a choice I make to further my relationship with God, here's what they do. They bring me into the presence of God where he can change me. Where he can change my heart. The message isn't about perfectly practicing these things to, quote, be a better Christian. It's about placing yourself before God where he can act upon you and I. Where he can work on our hearts, our desires. He can empower us. A way to illustrate this is that the spiritual disciplines are like the sails of a sailboat. Have any of you guys ever been on a sailboat? Have you ever seen a sailboat? Okay, right, so... So we all understand that if you don't do something and put up the sails, you're not going anywhere. You're just getting a tan, right? You guys, the spiritual disciplines are us putting up the sails and then God sends the wind of his spirit into our lives to empower us and transform us. And what happens over time as we put up the sails day in and day out, the spirit of Jesus works in our life And our thoughts and desires start to reflect his. It's what the Bible calls transformation. The Greek word in the New Testament is metamorpho, where we get our English word metamorphosis. It's a radical transformation that we can experience into Christ-likeness. The New Testament holds this out for us. Here's another way of saying it that you might remember. We do the connecting, 
God does the perfecting. Oh, you guys, that's good. Somebody needs to tweet that, like right now, right? That is good. Henry Nouwen describes the dynamic this way. He says, in the spiritual life, the word discipline means the effort to create some space in which God can act. So let me ask you, what if you and I approached our time with the Lord in all these areas with excitement? What if we approached our time with God with anticipation and with faith for what he wants to say to us and what he wants to do in us? What if we approached our time with him that way? And what if you came to God on a daily basis and said, God, here I am. Here's some time. Here's some of my time, and I want to practice this thing with you. But now I'm just asking you, have your way in me. Say and do and act in my life however you want to. You guys, I believe that if we came to God this way, he's not going to go, nah, I'm too busy, get out of here. No, what he's going to do is when you put up the sails this way, I believe he's going to send the wind of his spirit blowing into your life. Amen? He loves it when we come to him this way. And this leads to the easy yoke of Jesus. What if instead of trying to obey and follow Jesus in your own strength and getting frustrated all the time, like we've probably most of us experienced here in this room, what if instead we found ways to get into God's presence and the Holy Spirit started to transform our hearts from the inside out? That's one of the pictures we see in the New Testament. And listen, what if by practicing the things that Jesus did, you became able over time to do the things that he did? We need a paradigm shift here in the church. Do you guys remember those WWJD bracelets that you got? Back in the, I had a guy first service come up and show me his. Like, I still got it. Like, I got mine in 1997 after some camp or something, right? You know what I'm talking about? Where you ask the question, what would Jesus do? And then the implication is you try real hard to do that. You remember that? We need a paradigm shift. Instead of asking, what would Jesus do? We need to ask, what did Jesus do? WDJD. So I've talked to the bracelet council. We're getting some new ones made for you. They're going to be on sale out here. Actually, this would be really cool. I need somebody. I need a marketing person. Help me. Right? I think we've got some in the room. Okay. Um, But what I mean is this. If we have faith in Christ, we must believe that he knew how to live. Right? Did Jesus know how to live? Say yes. (laughs) Thank you. We can, through faith and grace, become like Christ by practicing the types of activities he engaged in. The secret of the easy yoke of Jesus isn't trying really hard to be good like him. What we need to do is ask, what did Jesus do? Jesus spent time in solitude. He spent time in prayer. Before serving the needs of his disciples and his hearers, he was with his father. And out of those preparations of his heart and his soul, he was able to lead a public life of loving people and healing and teaching. I absolutely love what the theologian and philosopher Dallas Willard has to say on this. He writes, in the spirit of the disciplines, he writes, the secret of the easy yoke 
involves living as he lived in the entirety of his life, talking about Jesus, adopting his overall lifestyle. We cannot behave on the spot as he did and taught if in the rest of our time we live as everyone else does. Think about that. We all go, I know I'm supposed to act like Jesus when, like, I have conflict with my roommates or at work when I'm, you know, something, I have to make a decision or when I'm facing temptation. I know I'm supposed to act like Jesus. But here's the thing. If you just live the rest of your life outside of that time of choice and crisis, just like everybody else does, how can you expect to act like Jesus in the moment if you're not doing the things that he did? Do you see that? And then Dallas Willard goes on to say this. So by whole life training... In the disciplines of the spiritual life, we become inwardly the kinds of persons who naturally, he says supernaturally, of course, do what he said and did. So the secret of the easy yoke is training instead of trying. We don't just ask, what would Jesus do? And then try really hard to be good like him. Rather, we look at what Jesus did, and we adopt his practices. And then over time, we find it easier and easier on the spot to act like him. And we see this, you guys, all over in the natural world. We see this in football players. You know, we're in the playoffs, and, and so football players are working really hard off the field Training. They're practicing, right? They're continually doing things and making choices, practicing really hard training. Patrick Mahomes, quarterback of the Chiefs, let's go. So he has been training really hard off the field so that when he gets on the field and he's in the pressure of a real game, his body just knows what to do. I mean, it's crazy. I don't know if you've seen him. He can just throw that ball. I'm like, what? He just knows where to be. He just knows what to do because he's been training off the field. So he's ready for the pressures of the real game. Can I get an amen that he's ready today that we're hoping? Anybody with me? (laughs) Okay. So over the coming weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to take a deep dive into looking at what Jesus actually practiced, and then we're going to engage in those things together. And I think it's going to be fun. I really do. So right now, Here's what I want to do to wrap up. I want to encourage you with some stories from our body of people just like you, just like me, who are trying new things in their relationship with Jesus. They're engaging in some new practices, and as a result, they're experiencing new things with Jesus. First person I want to highlight is Bailey King. Bailey is a college student at the University of Arkansas. He also helps us with our disabilities ministry. And Bailey, last year, told me that along with three guys that he was in a Bible study with, that they realized that fasting was a spiritual discipline that none of them had ever practiced. And they thought, let's try it. And Bailey told me, he said, I thought it was going to be really hard. I was surprised at how happy I was. Literally, he's like, I thought I'd be gritting my teeth till dinner time. But then he says this, Bailey says, fasting has become a way I place my flesh and its longings under God's rule. It has become a form of worship for me, and I would say that I'm more aware of God's constant nearness when I fast. Next, 
I want to highlight Janie Harriman. Janie is one of the founding members of this church. She's an elder's wife. She runs our global shop. And Janie told me that two years ago, after hearing Jim Hall talk about Dallas Willard and the spiritual disciplines, she said she was intrigued, so she started doing some research. And what she decided to do is she decided to take and give God 12 uninterrupted minutes of her day. Just 12 uninterrupted minutes just to focus on him. So here's what she'd do. She'd get up in the morning. She'd set the timer on her phone to 12 minutes. She'd get down on her knees, and she would just focus on God and start to worship him and just start to tell him how much she appreciated that he was loving. And she'd talk to him about his power and his works and his holiness and his love and his son. No prayer lists, just focus on him. And sometimes scripture would come to mind or she would open her eyes and see the beauty of creation. And here's what Janie says. This practice, 12 uninterrupted minutes, has made a huge difference in my life. James 4, 8, draw near to God and he will come near to you is such a truth. This time in my mornings has become a rich joy. It never feels like a to-do list or a requirement. Instead, it has become a treasure, a secret garden, a refuge. It has grown me and given me new strength, trust, and a nearness to God that I have not experienced before. Next, I want to highlight a guy named Trey Robbins. And Trey told me that in recent years, he's decided to practice the discipline of committing himself to community in the local church. And Jim Hall, in two weeks, is going to talk about the discipline of community. And Trey said that for years he was in various churches and he never embedded himself in the community of life of those churches. And he got real honest with me. He said, here's the deal. He's like, I didn't want the emotional <laughs> vulnerability and level of commitment that was required within true community. And I think some of us here probably get that. And he said, it's still awkward for me at times. I'm still in process. But increasingly, increasingly I'm convinced that if I call myself a disciple of Jesus, I've got to commit to community. And here's what Trey says. The Holy Spirit has increasingly prompted me to commit myself to the life of this church. And as I've said yes to those promptings, I've found that it is easier and easier to say yes. I think that's due in part to the fact that there are so many people at New Heights in whom it is easy to see Jesus. I know him better, and I want to serve him more because I see him so often in the people within our New Heights community. Lastly, I want to highlight Casey Marshall. Casey is a sixth grader. She's awesome. She hand-wrote me her testimony. She goes to my kids' school, Providence Academy. She told me that after Fall Hype, one of our student events, she just so badly wanted to be with God. She said right around that time at her school, an NFL football player came and he mentioned as he was talking that he read a proverb a day. And he said it was easy because there's 31 of them, so you just pick one, you know, if it's the fifth, you read Proverbs chapter five. And so Casey felt like God was encouraging her to go for it and to do it. So she started to read a proverb a day. And she said, since that time, things in her life are changing. She said this, she said, I never used to pray in front of people. Like, I was so scared. Like, I never wanted to pray. She's like, now, when there's an opportunity to pray, she's like, I can't help but raise my hand. She's like, I just want to pray all the time. And, and she also told me that she's learning to live like Jesus. She says, sometimes when she meets up with her friends, 
she'll say things like, hey, let's not judge that person. Or hey, let's talk about something else. And Casey says, now I pray anytime I can. It's my favorite. I just want to dance when I do. I just love to speak to God. I love it so much. Because of this spiritual awakening, I have a curiosity and understanding that I didn't have before. And I love what she wrote me. She goes, P.S., if you want me to go on stage, I'd be thrilled. I'm like, I read that. I was like, oh, that's awesome. I wish I could bring her up here this morning. I didn't, I didn't read this till Friday, but uh, I'm like, that's so fun. All right. When we practice new things, we experience new things. Let me close right now with some practical wisdom to, to remember as we go through this series. Just want to give you five real practical things to remember. Number one, you are coming into the presence of the one who loves you the most. So as you come to God, just relax. God is thrilled with your attempts to connect with him. It's not like you can mess up here. He loves our baby steps, really. So have a go-for-it attitude like Casey did. Number two, keep on remembering I'm not righteous because I do these things. I'm not earning points. Because of the nature of these things that we're going to talk about in this series, we have to keep reminding ourselves of this. Number three, do as you can, not as you cannot. What I mean is, pray as you can. Don't try to pray like somebody else. Read as you can. Don't just try to do it, you know, you don't go, well, my wife does it this way. No, you have a unique relationship with God. So don't feel like a loser if you don't do it like somebody else. What, what might be helpful might be in the coming weeks to go, God, what would be the most helpful thing to me right now in the season of my life? In this season, what would be the most helpful thing for me to practice? Ask God that. See if anything comes to mind. And that leads me to my fourth thing to remember. We have to understand the seasons of our lives. Understand the season of your life. In seasons where you have little kids, especially all you moms out there, you might find it like literally impossible to have a consistent quiet time. So connecting to God for you might look like practicing the presence of God as you're folding laundry or as you're cooking dinner. You're just talking to the Lord just about your kids and about your day and about whatever, just as you're going through your stuff. And that's okay. That is totally okay. And number five, Keep in mind that this is a relationship. And relationships are messy and imperfect. It's okay if your quiet time looks different from everybody else's. It's okay. What you need to be looking for is space that is rich in delight, not guilt. All right, as we move into our ministry response time this morning, let me ask, where are you this morning? And the things that we're talking about. Where are you? You might be hearing me talk about these things and you might be super excited about this series and full of faith and going, I've done this and I'm ready to try some new things and I'm excited. And if that's you, pray for us. Pray for us as a church that God will pour out his spirit afresh in everybody's times together with him. But maybe this morning you're here and you're feeling that burden. You're feeling that guilt and you're recognizing, and it might be the promptings of the Holy Spirit, you're recognizing, man, you know what? I think I've been stuck in the checklist life. 
I've been stuck trying to do it, gritting my teeth out of my own strength to try to live for God. And, and I want to come up under the easy yoke of Jesus that you're talking about, Kevin. I want that. You guys, God wants that for you more than you know. So I encourage you this morning as the prayer team comes, and I'd love for the prayer team to start kind of getting around the room here. This morning, if you've been stuck in the checklist life and, and you've been burned out and you're like, I need, just a, I need just a recharge, I need a reconnect, a restart, a redo, get prayer this morning for that. And lastly, maybe you're here this morning and you're going, Kevin, this all sounds good, but here's the deal. I just don't have the time. Lee talked about time last week. I encourage you, if you weren't here, go back and listen to Lee's talk last week on time. I remember I talked about how disciplines require choice. And as disciplines of Christ, we're going to have to make choices about the things that we engage in and the things that we do. So you might want to ask yourself and God this morning, what do I need to say no to so I can do these things? Because you can't have it all. All right, would you pray with me? Let's pray for this to be worked down into the soil of our lives and into us as a church. And we're going to continue to worship. Lord Jesus, teach us to live like you and help us to do the things that you did. Show us how to abide every day and help us as an entire church, not only to get good practical instruction over the coming weeks, but but to practice these things together that we're hearing. So at the end of this series, we'll all be able to say we're drinking deeper of you, Lord. So now we ask you in the powerful name of Jesus to pour out your spirit, God. Pour out the wind, let it blow, Lord, as we put up the sails. We love you and we ask this in your name, Jesus. And everyone said, amen.